Welcome back to the Chase Brewster Show. I am your host, Chase Brewster. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Today's guest is someone, his story is just remarkable. There's a lot of him and all of us off the field, on the field. Um, He is one of the hardest working coaches I've ever seen, even from afar. Uh, Someone I'm blessed to call a friend and have work in our state that means so much to all of us. Today's guest is University of Arkansas Razorbacks first base coach, Bobby Warnes. How are you doing today, Coach? Chase, I'm good. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, Coach. How are things going in Fayetteville? Um, it's good. It's a little quiet. It's uh, kind of that time of the year where you're starting to starting to get the itch. You're through Christmas or through New Year's, and uh, yeah, you got guys starting to trickle back, uh, trickle back in the building. So it's an exciting time. But I think all of us are kind of a uh, a little stir crazy, a little bit tired of sitting at the desk, sitting in front of the computer. We uh we want to get back to baseball, so that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, before you know it, baseball will be in full swing in Fayetteville this spring as you guys look to to win another SEC championship and make it back to Omaha and have a very very talented team. Obviously, as as every fall headed into the spring, uh, you guys feel like you have a chance to win, but this year's team is as talented as any as long as I've been around, at least on paper. Yeah, no, I think there's there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to be excited about this year, and I think just you know I, I, a lot of the returners. Uh, I think what excites excites this coaching staff is you you have a really good group of returners who maybe you know they got a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth. Um, obviously, you said you know the SEC championship uh, we were fortunate enough to win last year, and that was a an incredible accomplishment, but. Um, you know, there, there there's some unfinished business in that postseason that a lot of the returners uh, didn't get a taste last year. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's kind of driven them through the fall and some of their winter training. So I think that's uh, that's something that excites us. Is just you know for that those groups of returners, um, you know, maybe some maybe an element of unfinished business. You know, I think being so close to the state and knowing every player, right? A lot of them play with us on the sticks, fortunately, or we played against them in the circuit. I don't know necessarily how every Division One team's built, and I don't want to pretend to know that. I don't want to be like some media guys that pretend to know everything because I don't. <laughs> but what you guys have done through the high school market, the portal, the junior college market, and just the overall returners, it's an unbelievable top-to-bottom full-circle moment of what a roster really should look like in 2024 uh, you got some unbelievable high school kids and Ty Wade and Nola Souza that are looking to to make an impact. You got some big time arms as well in the freshman class. Uh, one of the best freshman catchers in the country. You got some portal guys that are as good as anybody in the country, and then you got some some JUCO guys that are some returners like Peyton Holt that are looking to step in and you know start from day one and, and kind of change the narrative you know and, and keep the hot streak going. So when you look at this team on paper for next year, tell me what you. Uh, kind of get excited about and how you guys have built it through all angles, through hard work and uh, through through high school recruiting and in the portal. Well, sounds like you know a roster better than I do. I should just let you talk about it, man. You ran through a lot of names. Um, no, I think, um, yeah, I guess first off, Coach Thompson, Coach Hobbs, Coach Van Horn, I mean, they've been doing it for a long time and obviously do a, do a fantastic job um, on the recruiting side of things. And there, there's so many, there's so many pillars to that now. Like you said, I mean, with the high school, the junior college, the portal, um, and you know, I, I think we get asked the question a lot. You know, well, where do you prioritize? You know, do you prioritize a high school kid? Do you prioritize the junior college? Do you prioritize a four-year transfer? And I think, I mean, the right answer is you got to prioritize them all. Like you have to be really good at all three of those pillars, so to speak. Um, and I, I think we, I think we have that players that check those, uh, check those boxes. Um, as you said, I mean, you mentioned high school, junior college transfer, portal guys. Um, man, I just think the, where the program is now, I just think it's, it, it's a very attractive place to play baseball. 
I think kids want that. There's a track record of winning. There's a track record of development. Um, you know, we like to think that as a player, you know, whatever your potential is, whether that's college baseball is the last, the, the, the highest level you make it to, whether you're a 10 year major league baseball player, whatever your personal ceiling is, uh, we, we, we like to think that we, we can help you get there. Um, so I think that's just kind of the, you know, one of the reasons that we've had, we've been so lucky in the recruiting process is, is just, we've, we've had some, some, some success, some good teams and people have, people have wanted to be a part of that. Um, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, um, I think that that, that kind of all comes to a culmination too for this this 2024 team is you just have a lot of those factors um, at play, which is why, um, yeah, there have been some good guys, good high school kids that have made it through the draft. You've got junior college kids that are wanting to uh, transfer here, and obviously uh, the four year transfer market. Um, you've got guys that want to finish up their career uh, playing here at Arkansas. Speaking of JUCO guys that want to play at Fayetteville, let's get into your story because you've got a remarkable story. I tell people all the time, and I'll use your name in this example, the reason for this podcast is it's a whole lot easier to be Bobby Werner than it is to be Mike Trout. It's a whole lot easier to be, to oh, be Bobby than Otani. It's uh, what you've done, man, when you read the story and you hear it and just getting to know you the little bit that I have. All of us are a little bit of you, right? We're all that dreamer. Um, you know, the, the, the wise myth, the tale that I'll let you speak about goes that you sent out something like 108 emails to 108 different schools as a high school junior or senior, and the only one to respond lost his program a week later. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, you, that's right. You wanted to play Division One baseball, and you knew you were a good player. Overland, Kansas, growing up, so many good players have come from there, and uh, it's just a hot market of players. Take me through your, your kind of junior, senior year, your recruiting process. You're doing all you can do to get noticed. You finally hear from Southern Utah, and then the Thunderbirds lose their program. Take me through your junior, senior year, and how you end up in Neosho. Yeah, so um, I guess, yeah, getting to Neosho, I just – I really love the game of baseball, obviously. that was I knew I wanted to play in college, and my dream was I just wanted to play Division One. Which maybe that wasn't the right way to look at it. Maybe that wasn't, but that's just that's how I that's how I thought. That's how I what I wanted to do as a sixteen year old kid. Um, and I was just okay, especially at that point in my career. Um, I could defend. The bat was really light, and I was skin and bones. Um, and I didn't tear it up in Kansas high school baseball. Which Kansas high school baseball, I think now is in a much better spot than when it was when I was in high school. But I mean, if you're not tearing it up in Kansas high school baseball. I don't think there's a lot of recruiting guys that are, that are drooling over you trying to, trying to bring you in. So, um, yeah, I, I remember sitting down with my dad and we just kind of, um, I said, I really want to play division one baseball. And so we, I mean, we literally Googled division one baseball programs and it was a Wikipedia page of alphabetically every single, uh, program. So it's just like, Hey, would you want to play here? Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, it was alphabetical. So you've got Arkansas, Arizona, Arizona State. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I fire off, I think it was something like 108 emails um, to every program, every every email I could find on their website. And I, you know, just to express interest in, in playing. And uh, as you said, the one email I got back was Southern Utah. And they, they showed interest. I was fired up. I go, how about this? I'm going to be a Division One baseball player. I was fired up. And then... Uh, week later, I think it was something like they were adding tennis. And so the the coach I was exchanging emails with was just like, man, I'm no, we actually just got word that we're not gonna have college baseball anymore. So, you know, best of luck with you and your your journey. But um so at, at that point I kind of uh shifted my sights because again division one baseball is what I wanted to play. Um so I felt like the best way for me to do that would be uh playing junior college ball and um Neosho County, I, I emailed their staff and they ended up, they had a showcase that the, they invited me to and I ended up doing just good enough to kind of get a spot on the team. Um, and that, that was my only offer out of high school. So it wasn't like, it was a very easy decision in that if I wanted to play, I was going to go there. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got to, uh, got to Neosho County and that would have been in 2013. So it, it, was, it was my only college offer. You know, obviously what, what coaches done at Neosho's you know, legendary. They he's 
you know, he's built something to be very proud of. And, and you guys played the JUCO World Series that year. Take me through, you know, kind of your freshman year at Neo Show. You're, you're learning on the fly. You're away from home the first time. It's obviously a struggle. Uh, a lot of highs and lows in junior college baseball, and you end up playing JUCO World Series. So take me through that year at Neo Show. Yeah, no, I, I tell people this all the time. And actually, we were just talking about it kind of as a staff. I joke about, joke around a lot about it a lot saying I think it should be a law that everyone should have to go play junior college for at least a year. Like what you learn about yourself, just about developing as a man, developing baseball-wise, um, it makes you appreciate everything so much more after the fact. Um, it was an absolutely unbelievable experience, but I think the reason it was so good uh, is because it was so tough. I, I was miserable a lot of the time. I mean, you, you, there are some dark days, but I think you uh, – you're better before it or better for it. I remember calling my dad a couple times in tears being like, I think I, I think I just want to quit baseball and go to school. And I think we all, we all have that in our careers, whether it be playing, coaching, you kind of hit that rock bottom, so to speak. But um, yeah, certainly a lot of growing pains. Um, you know, you find out you're not as good as you think you are and that's a tough pill to swallow. You know, here I was thinking I was a division one player out of high school, go to a junior college, maybe there's a little bit of arrogance on my part. They're, they're lucky to have me or whatever. Um, and I got humbled really fast. Um, and so you kind of have a, it's a fork in the road. You got a choice, you know, do you want to, do you want to develop, get better, kind of really invest your life into it? Or do you just want to go to school? Um, and thankfully I made the decision to kind of just swallow my pride and, uh, you know, get as good as I can develop as good as I can. And then, um, yeah, that freshman year I ended up, uh, I ended up taking a big step forward with the bat. Um, I played shortstop, which which the glove was kind of always my carrying tool. Um, got a lot stronger at junior college. Made that made a jump with the with the bat, so that kind of got me on some some four years, some Division one radars. And um, you know, as a team, we were just okay. We had a couple high profile arms, and we were really young as a position player group. Um, and there was a couple, uh, I don't know, Cali, Cali County was like a 50 win team that year in our region. They were probably the favorite to go to the world series. Um, Johnson County, Coffeyville. Um, there, there were some, there were some really good teams that year, but we just kind of the stars aligned for us. Um, towards the end of the year, we got hot at the right time. And then, um, yeah, as you said, we got to go to Grand Junction, the Juco world series, which, um, you know, playing in front of 12,000 fans, uh, you know, if you would have told me in high school I got to experience that, I wouldn't have believed you. I, w- I would have been so, so fired up. So I kind of, I remember at that point thinking, man, this is kind of as good as it gets. This is this is kind of like my Super Bowl. Um, and obviously there were there was some uh, some other things that happened to where I got to uh, got to continue playing at a high level. So um, yeah, I owe a lot to Coach Murray at Neo Show, and I I remember those days, and I, I think about those days a lot, and just how it helped shape me as a player, a coach, a person. Um, yeah, I want to trade those guys for anything. So where did you play at after the JUCO World Series, after your freshman year? What league were you playing in? Uh, Ban Johnson League, which is a local local league in Kansas City. A lot of, um, a lot of junior college, a lot of NAIA, a lot of uh, Division II guys. There's some D1 guys sprinkled in. Um, I honestly don't know the, the state of that league anymore. Um but yeah, it was the Ben Johnson Summer College Summer League. So you're playing in that league. You you you're with your now future wife or your wife now. You're with your future wife at the time. And you take her sister to a camp. Yeah, this is this is where it gets wild. Um, and you're so wearing a Razorback baseball shirt. Exactly. Yeah. So this is about a week before um, I'm supposed to report back to Neo Show for my sophomore year. Which that was, you know, I, that was my plan to stay there for two years. I was, I was good with it. That was, that's kind of the part of the deal. Um, and I'm with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and she uh, actually is a University of Arkansas alum as well. So she, or I go to Neosho out of high school. She goes to the University of Arkansas, and she gave me like an Arkansas shirt for um, birthday, Christmas, something. I don't know. Um, but I'm wearing it that day. So we go down to this Canacuck sport camp just to pick up her sister. So it's a pretty much a three-hour drive from Kansas City, three hours back. Um, I don't think I was happy to be on that car, to be honest. It was kind of a waste of time. But for whatever reason, I kind of did it. And, um, yeah, we walk in. And as we walk out, a uh, man says, I really like your shirt. And I kind of look up, and it, and it was Coach Van Horn. And my heart about stopped. Um because I obviously knew exactly who he was. 
and I won't even say it was like a dream to be able to play for him. I just don't even think that I, like I never even set my, my, my sights that high. I just never even thought about that ever being an option. We had a, when I was in high school, Ryan Stanek was, that was a big name in Kansas City. And I remember seeing him. I mean, he was 94, 95 in high school before that was a thing with a wipeout slider. I think he probably went second round of the Mariners or something. That was a huge deal at that point in Kansas high school baseball. So I kind of knew that was where my sights were. Like, if that's what an Arkansas commit looks like, I, I know that's not me. Um, so I followed the Arkansas program, really starting with him, a uh, local guy going to play there. But, um, yeah, I guess to get back on back on topic, um, so my heart kind of – I mean, Coach Van Horn just – he kind of notices me, and I he's walking away, and I tell Christina, my, my girlfriend, wife now, like, you know, that's a head coach at your school. Like, that, that's a really big deal. Like, he is – like, he's one of the best. Like, that was that – was, I don't know what he's doing here. That's amazing. And she's not familiar with the recruiting process at all, but I remember her saying, like, hey, just go go up to him and, like, introduce yourself and see if he's got a spot for you on the team. And I just kind of, like, you know, it doesn't work like that. And I think Arkansas's probably got the guys they want for the next four years kind of mapped out. But, you know, I turned around and I ended up running after him. I kind of had a speed walk, jog kind of thing. And by the time I got up to him, you know, I'm huffing and puffing a little bit. I just kind of, you know, introduced myself. Save shortstop in Neosho County. It'd be it'd be a dream or to play at Arkansas, man. If there's any way you and assistant someone could just come come watch me in the fall, that'd be that'd be that'd be awesome. And he's kind of you know looking at me, giving me the side eye, not really sure, but he he kind of like you know what, yeah yeah, thank you for coming up, saying hi. You know I know your name now. Neosho's not too far away. We'll uh yeah we'll make that happen. So you know shake his hand as I'm walking, and I, and I think it was a huge success. You know, he knows my name. He can come watch me in the fall. You know, couldn't couldn't have gone any better. Um, and then as uh, as I'm pulling out, as we're we're pulling out of the uh, the parking lot, I kind of look in the rearview mirror and I see him. So he's kind of followed me back. And so, I mean, if I wasn't looking in the rearview mirror, I may have I may have hit him. Which that would have uh, that story would have been a lot different if I wasn't checking my rearview mirror. But uh, you know, I throw in the park, get out of get out of the car real quick, and he. He just kind of asks, uh, you know, what what my plans were for that sophomore year, that next year, and I think this this was happening in like August, like early August or late July, and you know, I told him that I mean I'm supposed to be in school ten days from now, so I'm the plan is to go back to Neosho County, and he kind of looks at me and he, you know, he asks, is that really what I want to do? And again, my heart just kind of starts beating, and um, like oh, I mean, not necessarily. And he said that right after we got done talking, he had gotten a uh, phone call from his AD uh, saying that there was uh, there was some off the field stuff that had happened with a infielder on the team, and that he was he was gone. He was he was off the team, and so Arkansas was scrambling as well. Like they have to find an infielder kind of right now. And he asked me if if that was something I was interested in. I said absolutely, and he's like, "Well, I have to see you play. You know, I've never seen you play." Um, do you have any more games? And I had one more game left in the season, and I sent him the address to where it was going to be, and it turns out that that was the field that Coach Van Horn had grown up playing at in Kansas City. And so <laughs> he, he drives down um, the next – I mean, the, the game was the next day, I'm pretty sure. So he drives down the next day, kind of middle of nowhere, Kansas City field. There was maybe – seven people in the stands and coach Van Horn and the Razorback polo, the team USA hat. And, um, the next day offered me and I committed there. And then, I mean, so people kind of asked me, you know, what do I, you know, how did you get to Arkansas? Like, is that, I go, man, that's not really a feasible plan of action. I just kind of, just kind of fell into my lap. Um, but it's just, it, it's, uh, just what, what, what's happened in my baseball career, playing career, coaching career, uh, my walk with Christ, my faith, faith is a big deal for me. Um, you know, a lot of that kind of um, kind of lit the catalyst, so to speak. So it's just it's a really cool story on how I how I got to Arkansas. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And just uh, yeah, I never I, I never take for granted the opportunity I got. Well, faith works in mysterious ways, and it worked out very well for you. So I got I got two questions to follow up. Did we ever find out why Dave was there at the camp? Yeah, he was How picking bad? up. He was picking up his daughter. So his okay. his younger daughter in high school was at the same same camp. 
So that was so why we he got, was there. Now we got two guys that don't want to be there. We got a short, <laughs> we got a shortstop that's found a home and a Division One SEC coach that's found a shortstop. So uh, good, good for that camp to bring everybody together. How mad was Coach Murray when you told him you you want you're going to Arkansas? Yeah, you know, in the moment, I think he was. Uh, yeah, I think he was. He was pretty upset, and I don't think he. I didn't tell him how this all went down. You know, when I told him that I was going on a visit. He he just kind of perceived uh, perceived it as, you know, they're just trying to get you before everyone else does. They're trying to have this. They're trying to rush the recruiting process a little bit. And then I think when he, when I got him on the phone and we I explained the situation, it was a lot. He, he was he was a lot cooler with it. And I think I mean we obviously still talk today. Um, and they, and I, I wouldn't even say Arkansas is my dream school because it was just so lofty that I didn't even I couldn't even dream of being able to do that. So. Um, he, he's been, he was so happy for me for the opportunity. And again, we, we, we keep in touch. Um, so yeah, I think in the moment he was, he was pretty fired up, but that's all water under the bridge now. Well, if coach Murray, if you happen to listen to this, we're all huge fans of you and the Neo show program. And, and they found a lot of shortstops, good ones since that day. So that it's worked <laughs> out good for everybody. So you're, you're in Fayetteville, you're with your future wife, you're at a, 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 a quote, dream program you're playing for the legend in dbh you're moving to a new position you're coming off a juco world series about to go play in the in ncaa world series take me through you know moving to third and kind of that first year at arkansas and just take me through the whole process of being in fayetteville uh you know just the whole the whole situation of of how it ended and uh you know your career as a razorback on into pro ball yeah, so I think uh, that that first year, sophomore year, I was I was pretty blown away going from a junior college to to a big time SEC program. Um, I definitely was just like put my head down, guy, just be about my business. I, I again, I knew how lucky I was and fortunate to be there. Um, I was definitely not going to run my mouth anything. I was just going to put my head down and fight and claw to play. Um, that sophomore year, uh, you know, it started pretty dang good with the bat. I think maybe through the first couple SEC series, I was hitting three thirty, three forty, um, and then the game, the games, the game's just so hard. I just, I wasn't really in shape to play in the league. The the competition was something I probably wasn't ready for, especially with the bat. And um, you know, take kind of a nosedive from about the middle of the season on. Um, and so that that was like another thing that kind of I learned a lot about. I mean, just what it takes uh, to play in this league. I mean, thirty game SEC series. Ten. I mean, it's it's just an absolute gauntlet, and it's really easy to talk about it and say how hard it is. But until you're kind of in the fire um, as a player, or a coach, or whatever, you 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 don't know. I think everyone says there's no off weekends, but man, in the SEC, I mean, every single team in our league is good enough to, to make it to the College World Series. It's just a matter of whether or not they're one of the 64 teams um, teams selected. So when that's the level of play you have every single weekend, I mean, the, the fitness, the you, know, you got to be in shape, you got to be able to maintain weight, just the mental grind, it's, it's something that's really, really hard to be prepared for. And so that was something, you know, getting thrown in the fire as a sophomore coming from a junior college, I, I wasn't ready for. Um, that summer, I have a really good um, summer lifting program or summer lifting with our uh, strength coach at the time, Mike Struhall. Um, and he got my body to where it needed to be um, for that junior year. And I think that was probably the biggest difference between my sophomore and junior year is I was just a lot more physical. Um you think that was because you were a year older and, you know, you think you ever think if you'd have went back to the show for that sophomore year, you know, what it looked like offensively when you got an SEC to start with compared it would to have been going be- Yeah, it would have been better. But I think me personally, you know, the best way to develop as a hitter is to get ABs. And so I think for me individually, like the best thing for my development was kind of bleeding that sophomore year. Um Again, if you're a fan of Arkansas and you remember that sophomore year, I bet you were begging for someone else to be in the lineup, but I get that. Um, but I think I don't I don't get to have the junior year I do without um, you know, seeing the league um that one that first time. It takes a special guy to come from a junior college and impact right away um in the SEC. That's pretty rare. 
if that junior college guy gets a second year in the league, that's usually when they're when they're pretty special. And I, I think that you're going to see that with a couple of the guys on the roster this year who were junior college guys last year, saw the league, played in the league. I think that they're gonna they're gonna have big years um, in that second year. So, um, yeah, I think I would have had a better first year in the SEC if I would have gone back to Neo Show. I think you're right there. Um, but I don't think there's anything that can that can supplement just getting getting ABs in the SEC from a development standpoint as a hitter. The one thing I've always wondered, take me through the process before we get to your junior year, but take me through like your inner squad process like as a player. Do you feel like being in a place like Arkansas, Vandy, Florida, where you have the top arms every year, was that were you more prepared? on the weekend from the inter-squad situation, or was it just all a gauntlet and is what it is? No, I think you're definitely more prepared. So something we like saying a lot, we say it to our own guys, we say it to recruits, it's like the best hitting drill we do is inter-squads just hitting off our arms. And the inverse is the same. Like the best pitching drill we do is our own guys trying to get out our hitters. Um, you know, definitely like an iron sharpens iron uh, thing. Is that, That's kind of a program philosophy, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, there's nothing that we can do in a batting cage, a drill, that's going to simulate quite what we what we get to see on inner squads. If you end up in a slump or, you know, let's say you go to Vandy, struggle a little bit, got a little inner squad work, maybe some young guys throwing, but, hell, they might be 94-96, might be a Cooper Dawson on a Wednesday and a Parker Coyle, and then you roll into Florida the next week, you might look up and you've had 10 days of, like, not getting on base. I mean, there ain't no easy. Oh, it no happens easy fast. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. happens fast, and I think that, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go back and look at my game to game statistics from that sophomore year. That get me a little depressed, but I think that that's kind of part of, you know, just the mental fortitude it takes to to have success in this league is to just kind of take everything in stride, keep things in perspective. Um, I mean, I played college roommate Andrew Benintendi, won the Golden Spike, seventh overall pick to the Red Sox. I think he was hitting 250 going into SEC play the year he won the Golden Spikes. So, like, he, I mean, he had some he had some bad stretches before we ever got into the gauntlet. Um, so I, I think it's way more mental just being able to keep things in perspective, knowing that no matter who you are, you're going to have, um, you know, like you're saying, the 10-game, the 10-day skid, whatever, that's um, – it's just kind of part of the game. Just got to hope everybody don't have theirs at the same time. Yeah, you do that, then you're, you know, then it's threat level midnight. So, you're, you're, you know, you got a good approach about life. Obviously, you got your head on straight. You're living right. You get in the weight room. You get bigger. You get stronger. You come back your junior year, and you do some really special things before going into pro ball. Take me through that junior year. And also, the interesting thing about your Razorback career you you you've come up. You're known as a defensive shortstop. You're you're an uber talented defender, and then you go to the SEC and you never play short. You know you play everywhere but short almost. So take me through that junior year. You moved around a little bit over time, uh, played some different positions, but end up going into pro ball after a great junior season with the Razorbacks. Yeah, that junior year that junior year was really special and something. I mean, we all all the guys keep in touch. Um, yeah, I think. Um, that junior year, you, we, I think we were 15 and 15 at one point. We're right around 500. I think we're one in five in the SEC. We open up at Vandy. You've got Carson Fulmer, game one, Walker Bueller, game two, and then Jordan Sheffield, game three, Kyle Sheffield. I can't remember his first name. It's like, Jordan. So you, yeah, George. So you've got three, um, you've got three big leaguers, uh, we lose by one on Friday, get get blitz pretty good. I think we had a doubleheader. You got we lose by one on Friday or the first game, blitz pretty good the second game, and then we lose by one on a walk off um, in the third game. And so, I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, Trey Killian had like a no hitter perfect game something going into the seventh. I do remember that. So you're you start zero three in the SEC. Then you've got LSU at home. Then you win the first game there next to. So you're one and five in the league. And I think that uh, 
you know, I think we as a team were kind of braced to get our butts chewed a little bit and kind of don't know what Coach Van Horn's going to say. But, I mean, one thing about him is he just – he always says the right thing at the right time, and it's not – it's sometimes not what you expect. And I think he did a really good job of keeping things in perspective, and he kind of explained our schedule. He's like, hey, you know, you – you know, look at these, uh, you know, look at the way our schedule's set up. Like, Vandy and uh, LSU are probably the two best teams we're going to play. They're out of the way. And, you know, we figured this thing out. We're probably going to play them again, if you catch my drift, you know, at the end of the year. Um, and so from that point on, we didn't lose another series. Um, and I think just the way, you know, he said the right thing at the right time, instilled confidence in us. Um, you've got Andrew Benatendi, you kind of caught fire. You've got Zach Jackson, who... Maybe I'm dating myself, and people listening don't aren't going to know him, but he's in the big leagues with the A's now. He he wasn't Kevin Cops, but that was essentially how we used him. He was the Kevin Cops before Kevin Cops. So you've got a guy like that throwing twice a weekend. So he he's he's worth two wins uh, when he has the ball, and then it just kind of we figured out who we were as a team. Um, we go to uh, the regional in Stillwater. Um, Oklahoma State was a really good team. They had the Big Twelve Pitcher of the Year. And we ended up uh, winning that regional in a dogfight. I think um, we ended up playing St. John's in the regional final, but we beat Oklahoma State in the the game two. Um, and then uh, the super regional, we were fortunate enough to to be able to play at home against Missouri State. And um, because they didn't put in the bid, it was something with the Springfield Cardinals. Yeah, it was something. Uh, Something, some sort of technicality, but I do remember that we we had we had known that before, like when everything was announced that we we had known that Missouri State wasn't going to uh, be able to host. So it was kind of like if we find a way to win this regional, we uh, super regional is going to be at home, um, and that was a really really uh, hard fought three game series, and our fans were just absolutely absolutely fantastic. It was a it was a a ruthless atmosphere. Um, so yeah, that 2015 team, we were fortunate enough to go to the College World Series, and a lot of my buddies from high school came and watched, and obviously my dad, my dad got to go to every game, but I just, I think about it a lot, you know, if you tell a 16-year-old Bobby, you know, the same guy that sent the 180 emails just begging to, begging to play Division One baseball, you know, that kid's gonna hit in the two-hole in Omaha with Ben Attendee behind him, who's gonna win a World Series, win a good glove, or gold glove, it just, um... Oh man, it's it it, it gets it, it just I'm I'm very very thankful for what I got to do um, as a player here. You know, so we started the sticks in 2016. In 2015, which I had known Vitello forever, I'd known Tony B for a long time. Mm-hmm. But when we kind of start, you know, the first thing maybe somewhere right when we start, somebody says, "Well, they got too many guys committed." So I go, Tony, you gonna take all these kids? And Tony said, what happened in 2015 will never, ever happen again. Every week we didn't have enough players from injuries mm-hmm. to maybe some guys left. I think maybe one of the guys left this semester that wasn't supposed to leave. I think that was that year. Um, so really kind of the forefront from 2015, it seems like yesterday. It was almost 10 years ago. It's, a, it's crazy, yeah. I feel like I could still play and then I'll hop in, hit off a machine. I go, you know what? I'm doing exactly what I need to do. I need. I don't. I don't need to be trying to hit anymore. So you 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 go into pro ball. Did you have any interest in coming back your senior year? I mean, I know you loved your time in Arkansas, but was it an easy decision, hard decision? And take me through kind of that uh, pro ball run that unfortunately ended with with kind of an injury. You know, you get married, you you break your you know, I think it's your handmade bone, and and kind of yeah. just kind of takes you into coaching naturally. I'm assuming you knew you always wanted to coach, but yeah, uh, take me through that process of lose, leaving Fayetteville and how you ended up you know, in culture for the Phillies. I did think I was coming back my senior year. I didn't think I was going to be drafted. There was not a whole lot of, you know, you, you can tell the guys that are high drafts, like they, they're having scout meetings all the time. You know, I I think I had one sit-down meeting. So I didn't really think um, think much. Of, I, I didn't think I was going to be drafted. Um, I think if we don't go to the College World Series in 15, I, I want to come back. So we... So the way the way the draft worked, um, it was right after the super regional. So we've got the practices leading up to Omaha. That was kind of the timing of the draft. Um, and I didn't have an agent or anything at the time. So I remember when I'd leave for practice, I would I'd leave my cell phone with a buddy of mine, and I'd go, "Hey, 
just like answer every call if it's a scout it's like this is the number we'll sign for i was essentially having a buddy of mine just run the show um because i obviously couldn't be on my phone uh while we were practicing but i didn't think i was going to get drafted and uh day three comes along i've had very little traction and i and i was cool coming back but uh yeah, I remember I got a I got a text from uh, the Houston Astros scout Jim Stevenson, and he just kind of out of nowhere goes, "Hey, all right, we're ready to give you your number. Are you ready to sign? Are you are this something you're wanting to do?" And I kind of like, "Well, have to shoot. If that's, if that's what's going to happen. I'm good with it." Um, and so that's kind of my my draft story. I was just sitting in the living room and saw my name pop up on Twitter, which you know, again, I I, I never thought I I could have hoped and dreamed, but I I didn't know that pro ball was going to be uh gonna be in the the cards for me and so after that after that um college world series run i end up signing with the astros and go to uh tri-city which is in the Penn league and um again you know you know as, as well as anyone you know the bat was not my carrying tool i was a glove guy first um and then i have like the best best offensive season of my life i i hit around 350 i won the batting title in that league which i think I think the the main reason is just how good the SEC is. That that really prepared me for that first year of professional baseball. Um, just the caliber of arms we saw every weekend. Um, I think that was probably the biggest uh, biggest reason for my success that first year of Pro Bowl. You hit two seventy nine in the and you know your, your second year at Arkansas, two hundred thirty three events. Crush it, obviously. And then you're right. You go straight into pro ball, 53 games, 188 at bat. You hit 346. Yeah. So it was just, I was kind of just, I, a lot of things bounced my way. I was, I was seeing the ball well. And in those lower minor league, I, I think you see that. So I coached with the Phillies a couple years before coming back. And I, that was something I noticed. Like if you're a, if you're a college guy, those lower minor leagues, if you just kind of have a refined approach, you're probably going to have success if you can just stick to that. So, um, so for anybody listening, I mean, the, the, the old rumor is those those leagues are high velo, no control, maybe good breaking ball, but hardly ever throw a four strike. Is that still the MO? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. You've got, in the lower minor leagues, a good way to think about it is you've got guys with insane tools that maybe just aren't good enough baseball players yet. Which is fine. That's the point of those those leagues is to refine the baseball skill. Um, so if you're a guy like myself who maybe has more refined baseball skill but does not have the ceiling as a lot of these kids, you're you're gonna you're gonna outplay them in short season low A. Like that's just a fact. But two or three years from now, you know they're still playing and I'm coaching. I think that's that's just kind of the way it works. So did you know? I mean, you seem like a very it is what it is kind of guy, right? Like, you know, never too high, never too low. I mean, did you, did you, are you starting to think, hey, I'm a 350 hitter? Or like, yep, did absolutely. You... <laughs> I go, I got this freaking baseball thing figured out. You know, no one thinks I can hit. I hit 350. Um, so, yeah, I, I have, um, yeah, like I got that good first season. And then honestly, it kind of parallels a little bit of my sophomore year where I'm starting my sophomore year off really good. Um, and then you hit SEC play, and I kind of torpedoed down. So that was kind of my experience in pro ball is I have a good first season, and then uh, second year I get sent to Quad Cities, which was the low-A affiliate of the Astros at the time. And I can see you looking at the screen right now, and your eyes are kind of wide. Yeah, it was, well, it was but a let me, tough let me tell season. you from a computer screen, I mean, you played double the amount of games. So I was kind of wondering, you hit 215, which is fine, whatever. It's It's – you know, 216 points more than most of us hit. <laughs> like, was it all, was it a 215 year across all 94 games or did you start out high? I mean, were you, you know? No, so my, my average raised to 215. I started, so I will say this about that league, and this is something that everyone knows, that Midwest league, which I don't know the teams that are in it now, with all the minor league shuffling, it's hard for me to keep track, but that, that league's really, really tough to hit in. I remember the manager of the Twins affiliate, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to remember his first name, but he would coach third. I'd coach or, and I'd play third. And we, we would talk a lot And his, it was Joe Maurer's brother. And he, he'd coached in that league a lot. And he's like, man, what we tell our guys is if you can keep your head above water and hit 200 that first month, you're going to be just fine. 
So that's kind of that's how tough the league is. It's very very cold. The parks are big. Obviously with a wood bat, like you you just got to fight and claw that first month. And then once the weather changes, it's, it little gets a little bit more offensive. But generally speaking, that league is um, very it, – it's a pitching league. Um, what? what? Oh, you, you, end up, you end up leaving the Astros and going to the Rockies. But, I mean, you come back in the Sally League and bang it, which, you know, I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you come out in the Sally League and hit 290. So, I mean, you didn't really – didn't really like you back down and gave up or obviously, you know, leaving the Astros and going to the Rockies was whatever. It took me through that whole process, but it's not like you, you, you know, put your head down and ran. I mean, you came yeah. you had a very good year. Well, I guess that's putting it very nicely that I left the Astros. I would have loved to stick around with the Astros, but they called me into the office and go, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and ask you to leave. Um, I think for that, for that, that second year with Houston, I was probably trying to be someone I wasn't. I was trying to, you know, really lift the ball, and I was, I was doing it, going about it the wrong way. Where my first year, where I won the batting title, it was a lot of just being okay hitting singles, which singles are good. Singles are still hits. Um, and well, so I that think, just was. Part- I think I should say, I think to do you justice, you did double your double totals. So it was working a little bit. You dropped yeah, your no, I definitely, 500 points. But you... I impacted the ball better that second year, but there was a lot more swing and miss. And I think that's just, you know, it was good for my development, kind of just figuring that stuff out. Now, if I'm a fifth rounder, I probably get to stick around more with the Astros, but I was a 30th rounder. I was a late round guy. That's just the way the business works. Very understandable. Um, but after that season where I struggled and then that off season, it kind of all came together for me. Um, where I felt like I was driving the ball, really impacting the ball, which you have to do as a professional hitter. But my swing decisions were good. Um, I was centering the baseball more consistent. So that's why like, you're looking now at my, my year with the Sally League. Um, I hit a lot of doubles. So I'm a tick 26. under 300, yeah. And I only played half the year. So I only played the back half of the year. So if you extrapolate that out for a full season, which who knows if I would have been able to maintain that, um, but, but to me, what's awesome as a guy that loves baseball, I mean, you're just 22 years old at this point. I mean, you're really right at age average. It's not like you were 25 in the Sally League. I mean, you're, yep. no, you're, you're right. a 22-year-old with 25 doubles hitting 300. So if awesome. I was drafted by Colorado – so Colorado, I, I still keep in touch with all those guys. Amazing people. Really fortunate for my time there. Um the reason I played so much that year is we had a third base prospect get hurt. So that was kind of my opportunity. And obviously I did well with it, but it was more of I'm filling a roster spot in the minor leagues, um, which I was fine with. But I knew that – so that offseason there was a lot of reflection, prayer, talking with my wife. And I knew, I knew I'd wanted to coach. I had talked with Coach Van Horn a lot. He, he knew. I mean, shoot, he knew in 2014 I wanted to be a coach. That was, that was what was going to happen whenever I was done playing. So I think that 17 off season, I kind of know in my head, I'm going to want to transition to coaching. This is probably my last year. I'm married at the time. I need to, I want to start setting my life up. Um, you know, and I honestly got to a point where I remember talking with a buddy. It's like, dude, if I make it to the big leagues, I won't even be like that fired up. It's more just for the money. And so like, if that's the point, I knew, again, you tell a 16-year-old, Bobby, that I would get to that point, I would probably be surprised, but it was the truth. Um, so in 2018, uh, I make double A out of camp, and um, that team was loaded. A lot of big leaguers. You got Brennan Rogers, third overall pick, Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard. Um, I know I'm going to forget, guys, but that was that was essentially the big league Rocky. So it was really cool to be able to play on that team. Um, and, I mean, I, my playing time was very sparse. I mean, I was hitting. That was still when the National League had pitchers hitting for. Uh, once you got to double A, there was no DH. So I'd pinch hit for the pitchers a lot. I'd maybe start twice uh, twice a week, either third, second, first, something like that. So I was very much kind of the utility guy at that point in my career. Um, so, yeah, I knew that it was, uh, you know, time to transition to coaching. And I, I had to sit down with farm director, manager, saying that once once school started in August, I was going to go go back to Fayetteville, finish my degree, and uh, get on as a student assistant there. And they were super, super supportive of that. And um, so, yeah, from a playing career, that was, that was kind of it. I got, got But you ended up getting hurt too, though. Yeah, so right. I actually broke my hamate in spring training, and I didn't know I did it, and I was kind of playing through it. 
Um, and it got to the point where it was really hard to, um, it was like, it was honestly affecting defense more than offense. It was like hard to squeeze a glove. Um, but I knew this was my last year and I was taking a lot of <laughs> numbing, doing everything I could. Cause I didn't want that to be the reason that I didn't make a team out of camp. And so, uh, made double a, and I, I think I, I mean, you're looking at the stats. I know I hit right or like right under 250. I played for that first couple months and it got to the point where it was just too much had to go get that that hamate fixed and then through the rehab i was uh i was pretty content that uh that that was probably it playing and i needed to needed to take the next step in my life well well i consider you a friend and i'm very appreciative of our friendship we're not uber close to anything but do you ever think of it like how it's a shame that you don't feel like you had a great professional career when you did some really good things no, I guess I I definitely think I had a great professional career because I, I always think of it from me being like the sixteen year old kid, where I just I just want to play, I just want to play Division one baseball, you know, even college baseball. I remember my high school coach, um, Bill McDonald. He's a Hall of Famer in Kansas. He's he coached a ton of big leaguers, unbelievable success. Um, we lose in the state championship, one nothing, my senior year. And I just, I couldn't get over it that summer because in my head, I was like, it doesn't get better than this. Like, we had a great team. I loved it. I'm like, I'm not going to get to taste anything close to winning a state championship. So I, I just, I always try to look at things uh, through that perspective. And obviously, I've been, I've been very fortunate to shoot, experience some incredible things in this, uh, in baseball. So yeah, the fact that I got to kick around for four years uh, in professional baseball, I'm, I'm very happy I got to do that. Well, let's 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 kind of you know we got a little bit of time left. Let's kind of take you through take me through how you get started coaching with the Phillies. Was was pro ball what you thought it would be? Is from a coach's standpoint, every program's a little bit different. We all have friends in different professional organizations. Some is real coaching, some is babysitting, some is everything in between. Take me through that, and and you were maybe a manager right before COVID. COVID hits. If COVID hadn't hit, would you still be coaching in pro ball or? Would, you know, would you ended up in Arkansas anyway? Kind of take me through some of those things. Yeah, so I got to the point. My plan was to stay with Arkansas for the 2019 season. That was when that was the year I was finishing my degree. And that spring semester, I um, I only had like one class left to do, and I could do it online. And someone or a friend of mine, uh, I say friend, he coached me with Houston. His name's Josh Bonifay. He is the farm director at the time uh, for the Phillies, which is essentially oversees all minor league acquisitions, players, staffing. He's just, he's essentially the GM of, uh, of the minor leagues. And he reached out asking if, um, you know, I'd have interest in coaching professionally. And at, at first I thought no, but then I was thinking, I was like, well, shoot, this is would be a really good opportunity to, I mean, A, I'd be getting paid, and B, I'd, I'd really have my hand in something where at Arkansas for that 2019 season, I was going to be a student assistant, like definitely more of a supplemental role. Um, so I ended up doing that for the 2019 season, a hitting coach in the GCL, and awesome experience. Loved every minute of it. Um, it was a really cool time and that there was a ton of new staff brought in. Um, so it was kind of, you know, the first steps in laying out a system um, for player development. And I, I really enjoyed getting to learn that side of the ball. Um, and we had, I mean, we had success. I mean, you look at the Phillies now, two, three years later, like they, they, they did a really, really good job with their minor league talent, drafting, developing. Um, so it was cool to have a, a very small part of that and to kind of watch the Phillies, um, now have, you know, the success they've had over the last couple of years with some of the guys that, um, I got to spend time with in the GCL, um, really cool experience. Um, I guess, and then you, you kind of said, if COVID didn't happen, would I still be going to Arkansas? The answer to that is yes, is, uh, coach Ed Horn and I had had a conversation, um, before that year. And I told him, I, I knew I wanted to be in college. That's kind of where my heart is. That was, I knew I wanted to, uh, hop back to college and that's tough to do. It's tough to hop from pro ball to college. And I was just kind of hoping that the opportunity would, uh, would come and he he said that there'd be a there'd be an opening after the uh the 2020 season and um if it's something I wanted it would be mine so I knew before COVID that that'd be my last year with the Phillies so COVID happened and that was that did make it a little uncertain because I didn't know if um if Coach Van Horn still had that plan but it uh obviously ended up coming to fruition and so I've been with Arkansas ever since. Was Kevin Long with the Phillies at that time? Say that again. 
Was Kevin Long with the Phillies at that time? The big league hitting coach? Yeah. I think I got one year with him. I think 2020 was his first year. Um, I maybe had two conversations with him. So I had very little interaction. Um, I think if I, unless I'm messing up my years, I think he was there in 2020 was his first year. He's, uh, he, he's, he's watched the sticks play a few times and we've, we've, uh, all been very fortunate to build, build a relationship with him. He's, oh, he's a he guy. Knows, he's a guy. He knows more about hitting than anybody I've ever been around. Yeah. It's, it's he's awesome. a guy. It's awesome. So you get to come back home, essentially home. You know, I'm, I'm assuming it's what you consider home now. Um, and, you know, I sent you a message. I didn't know you. I just DM'd you one day. I was watching y'all play. And I was like, hey, it's ref- – I don't remember. I haven't looked. But it's something like, hey, it's refreshing to see how much pride you take in coaching first base. Like, you, you have essentially what feels like on TV a minute role, right, And respectfully. You know, it's a very – Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a very thankless job. How about that? Best way mm-hmm. to put it. But you could tell every pitch, the the amount of detail and attention, and we all do it. Like we daydream over there. We, we get caught up in stuff, whatever. But you can tell, um, you know, you, it's like you're every base runner's tie away. You're having to tell everything a hundred times over, <laughs> uh, you know, and you just, uh, the amount of, the amount of, I like to say pride that went into like that job, right? It, it's almost like, you know, it means a lot to you to be a Razorback. Take me through that. Is that how you've always handled your business with that amount of pride and detail and just, you know, doing things right, quote, unquote? Uh, is that how you've always been? And take me through, like, your journey of becoming the first base coach for the Razorbacks and, you know, standing out without meaning to. Yeah, I think um, I think it was it was your 2014 or 2015, probably, probably 2014. So my first year here as a player, I remember Coach Van Horn would always say, like, whatever your role is, just be the best of the nation. So if you're our Friday night guy, be the best Friday guy in the nation. If you are a freshman and that's not getting to play, be the best teammate in the nation. If there's a piece of a piece of trash in the dugout, be the best, you know, what, just whatever you're doing, just be the best in the nation. So that's, that's I guess, kind of how I go about it, is I want to be the best first base coach in the nation, whatever, whatever that takes um, to do. And I think, you know, most of uh you know, most of the work um, as a coach, you know, should happen, does happen before the game. Like you, you like you should be prepared to where by the time the game starts, it's um, you know, it's the play, it's the players that they got, it's their it's their job for nine innings, and you just hope you did enough preparation wise to give them a to put them in a position to win, have success, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's there, there, there's there's little things I think as a first base coach that you can you can influence the game and just it's just about being sharp and hoping that uh you know take advantage of those inches around you I guess. You hear that a lot about the effort you put in at first base. I do, I do. It's um, I don't know. I just I just enjoy. It. I think I, you kind of said it's a thankless job, and I just I, it's. I just have so much fun out there. Just like, man, can I try to find a way to win the game from this coach's box? Is there some, is there a clue out there that I can, I can, I don't know, help us win a game? It's just, it's, yeah, I, I think that most people probably don't think much of, of the position, but I think that is kind of a unique opportunity in itself. Well, you do a good job. And, you know, one of my last questions I want to ask you is you ever stop and think like, hey, I get to work, not only did I play for it, but I get to work with the legend of all legends in DBH, you know, Baseball America just calls Nate Thompson the greatest assistant coach in NCAA across the field from your third base. You got Matt Hobbs, who's a legend in his own right, right, when it comes to all the stuff the pitchers do. But then you got such a support staff as Zach Barr and and DJ Baxter and all these people. I mean, if you take all of the jobs in baseball, travel ball, high school, college, professional, I mean, you guys are literally living the dream and you're working with a staff that's one of the best in the country at any level. Uh, take me through that as 16-year-old Bobby that gets to work up, wake up every day and work with some of the best players in the world, but you also get to work with one of, if not the best staff in the country from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, it can kind of get you choked up if you think about it like that. Um, yeah, you know, I think I, I get a I get a stand on the shoulders of giants. Someone, someone said that once, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I get to... I get to wear the Arkansas jersey. People think I know what I'm talking about because I do, and that may be not necessarily the case. I just, I, I, I've been so fortunate every step of the way, and obviously, especially at Arkansas, to be around 
unbelievable people that have poured into me baseball wise, life wise. I'm a better son because of my time. You're a better father, all of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, being around coach Van Horn, is just, you know, if he can't prepare you for life, then it's probably a you problem. So I feel, I feel very well prepared for whatever I want to do in life because of how much he's poured into me. And the same can be said for coach Hobbs and coach Hobbs. They're unbelievable to me. Um, you know, the amount of time we three spend together, um, they're lifelong friends first and foremost, but just the, they both took me under, took me under their wing when I got here four years ago. And again, better, better man, better husband, better father, um, because of those, those four guys, three guys. To this day, DVH is the only person. I know a lot of people, but if DVH calls, I know somebody's in trouble. It's not always <laughs> me. It's not always me, but somebody is in trouble. Walk by his office. Doors usually open. If the door's closed, okay. Principal's getting after someone. Part of it. Well, we we all love Dave. If you hear this, we love you. And, and Dave told me he's going to come on the show, but we have not got to record yet. So, you know, I just keep bugging him. We just got to keep finding good players. So, you want to talk to me? <laughs> Zach Bottoms oh, told funny. me one time. He goes, "Hey, you'll you'll have all the friends in the world as long as you have good players. So we'll just keep finding Razorbacks, and Dave will come on one day. Well, Bobby." I'm a huge fan of everything you guys have done. Um, obviously, you're a great player, a really good coach, but but more so, man, just of what you've given to the game as far as energy and, you know, just, just how you carry yourself. You know, it's it's awesome to watch. Uh, and I'm a huge fan and an appreciative of our friendship. And, um, you know, we like to end every show with what I call five moments of truth. You can answer these as long or as short as you want. Uh, you know, it's really up to you, but – wanted to just thank you and make sure you knew that, you know, this was very appreciative of you coming on. I know you didn't have to do this on your holidays. So I'm super appreciative of that. And we'll get these five moments of questions going and then we'll get you out of here. Awesome. Appreciate you, Chase. Question one, give me the best advice you've ever received and from who? Most important play is the next play. And that was high school coach Bill McDonald. Give me, give me the biggest mentor you've ever had. I mean, it's easy, but it's Coach Van Horn. That's, that's a layup. Give me the uh, the next up-and-coming guy in your profession. If you leave tomorrow and go back to the Phillies, and you tell Dave, Dave goes, who do we hire to coach first at Arkansas? Who do you tell him? Man, that's awesome. Um, next up-and-coming guy. It's almost like top-secret propriety info. You kind of keep that in your back pocket. Um. We only get a thousand listeners a week, coach. Yeah. There ain't gonna be that many people to hear you. You know what? You get you go get you go get Colin Smith. You just had him on the show. Oh, Razorback. He I knows love, what it means. He yeah. That's who you go get. I love Colin. Colin does a really good job. Give me your personal and professional goals for twenty four. Win the national championship, and then goal number two is we got we got a little boy Warnus on the way in May. We got to have everything go well there. So those are what? one and two. Yep. So that's a, it's a simple 2024. How awesome would it be if he got pushed back a little bit? He was born in Omaha. That puts me in a bad spot. Well, I guess hopefully, hopefully the Razorbacks were there and you got a, you've got a tough decision to make, but I don't know if uh full Mrs. Warnus would be uh, too happy of me if I'm not there for the birth of him. So I'm hoping, Ooh. I'm hoping it doesn't get pushed back. Well, you know, if he, if he's born on May 27th, then we can celebrate his birthday together when we're getting ready for the sticks to open up in 15 years when he's playing shortstop for us. <laughs> oh, shoot. I, I, I feel bad. I don't know his due date. I think it's May 22nd. Yeah. May Either way, I'll be retired 24, in 15 so. years. So he would, he would not be playing for me on the sticks. He would be playing for Blake Baxadell or somebody else running the sticks. There we go. 15 yeah, yeah. Coach, the last question. I started this podcast to be a part of change. You know, as I'm sure you're – uh, figuring out every day. Getting older is awesome. It's really, truly, uh, the 30s are amazing. You can do whatever you want. You have a little money. You have a family. Life's great. But I wanted to be a part of change. I wanted to, you know, help inspire and motivate and, and just, you know, be better. Leave this uh, whole entire place better for the next generation. So as we leave this podcast, take me through what we all can do to change, inspire, and motivate uh, this next generation under us as they come up and, and leave this place better than we found it. Dang, that's a heavy question. Um, yeah, I guess um, 
you know, something we, we, we have the best job in the world coaching. It really is. And just the amount of the, the impact you can have on a, on a, on a player, on a family, you know, it can, you know, you can change the course of a guy's life, um, through coaching. And so I think that, uh, when you look at something through that lens, um, you know, coaching, coaching becomes very powerful, very enjoyable. Um, that's something I tried to do. It's really easy to get kind of law, law, uh, loss in the wins and losses, especially in this league, you know, it can, that can kind of turn into your everything. But if you, if you're really just trying to impact lives, being there, being there for your players, I think, uh, I think the world, world could be a better place. So I think, you know, that's priority 1A and then the 1B kind of wins and losses, I think will probably take care of themselves. Coach, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. I look forward to seeing you this week in Dallas. And if I can help any uh, this spring or at any time, you let me know. And I look forward to seeing the Razorbacks have a great season this spring. And, again, I appreciate you coming on the Chase Brewster Show today. Thank you, Chase. Appreciate all you do for us. Good talking to you. And, yeah, I'll see you uh, see you in a day or so in Dallas. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bobby. Yep. Yep.